0: If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church Podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. All right. Everybody all right? Yeah. Good. Me too. And I've got a good word for you this morning. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1. I'm beginning a new series today that I've titled The Jesus Reality. And what this whole thing is going to be about over the next few weeks is the change that Jesus brought to us. Do you understand today, I know you might have heard this before, but I want to remind you again that Jesus Christ changed everything for us. He really did. He made all things become new. Old things went away, and through him all things, thank you, all things were made new. And what we're going to look at over the next few weeks are how this, a lot of times we have an Old Testament thinking in our New Testament, believing. And we have to get that out of our lives. We have to get that old way of thinking out and embrace what Jesus Christ has done for us. He brought a new covenant. He brought a new and living way. And and he, he showed us who God is. He showed us what God's ultimate will for man is. And God longs to have relationship and fellowship with people. That's why he created us. That's why he started this in the first place. And Jesus, by, Jesus came and restored that which was lost by Adam and his sin that came to all men. But Jesus came and made everything new again. And not only did he make it new again, he made it better than it was before. And so today we're going to look at, um, th- turn over to Genesis chapter 14. Do you guys remember, Now I'm not here to, to really bash on anything, uh, any songs or anything, but I am a little bit, kind of, uh, just an example of kind of an Old Testament kind of thinking in our New Testament reality is, you guys remember the worship song, I'm Desperate For You, right? I'm de- I mean, it's a beautiful song. It is very pretty. It's well written. However, it's just not altogether true. I'm not desperate for God. God lives in me. Amen. God lives, if you are a child of God, God lives in you. He's an ever present help. He's always, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. There's no reason to be desperate for somebody who's right there inside of you. Listen to me. Now, this is something that the Old Testament guys would have prayed, right? They would have sang songs like David even said, take not your Holy Spirit from me, right? Because the Holy Spirit came and he went. He came and he went. But now through Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God has come and chosen to dwell in men, to abide with us, to stay with us all the way. So we're not. that's why we don't sing stuff like that, even though it's pretty. Unbelief just wrapped up in a pretty little package. <laughs> it doesn't make it right. Listen, Tim, we, this, is, this is the kind of thing that we've got to just continually renew our minds to the things of God, all right? And understand what he has given us because Jesus paid such an incredible price with his his life. His very blood was poured out of his body. His body was broken. It was beaten so that we could have everything that God has for us. And it's only right for us. It's only right for us to receive what Jesus gave us, not what the other guys had, but what Jesus came to give you. Listen to me. They longed to live in your day. I've heard people say, well, I wish I lived back then. Oh, no, you don't. I know you don't. And Live under the law? Break one little piece of the law, just one little piece, and it's curse for you. And it's hard times for you. You do not want that life. They all looked for your day. They all looked for the day when, when Jesus would come, when the Redeemer would come and redeem all men from their sin. This is the day you're living. It's a great day. This is, this is the revival they all were singing about back then, right? And what I, what I think is sad today is the church is still singing that someday there's going to be a revival. Really? Aren't we in it right now? I mean, G, Peter said this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. The Holy Spirit, in the last days, I'll pour up my spirit on all flesh. What else do we need? Huh? I tell you what needs to happen is the people of God just need to wake up to already the revival that's going on. Already the power that's being manifested in the earth by the Spirit of God and demonstrated through his gospel. Amen. We're always looking for God to do something. God to do something. If anybody's desperate, it's God. Desperate for us to make a move. Desperate for us to believe him. Amen. All right. Now. Genesis chapter fourteen. Just, just to give you an example there. Now, one of the things that we're going to look at this morning is tithing. First service just went totally quiet when I said you say that word. It's just like taboo, you know. Tithing. Everybody, let's make a friend of the word. Say it, tithing. Yeah, see, it didn't hurt you, did it? it didn't hurt to say that. I've heard some of you say other words. (laughs) (laughs) Genesis chapter 14, we're going to look at the very first place that tithing is mentioned. Now listen, I'm going to really help you this morning, okay? I'm not here to, to, to beat you over the head with anything. I'm here to encourage you with the Word of God. All right, and I believe that some lights are going to come on for some of you today concerning this subject. There's been a lot of confusion. There's been a lot of erroneous teaching about it. There's been a lot. There's just been a lot of stupidity. That's the truth. But we're going to see what the Scripture says and what it teaches us. Okay. All right. Now, Genesis chapter 14. This is a story of Abraham. And at this, moment, at this time, he's called Abram because he has not received his full new name from God. Abram means father. Abraham means father of many nations. But we're going to call him Abraham, even though he's Abram in this chapter, since it's just easier to keep up with that. Are you all right with that? Can you have, Okay. Abraham has... Has his nephew Lot has been kidnapped as well as a bunch of other people by these five kings that came together and they kidnapped them and they took their stuff and they took off. So Abram, Abraham took his men. Now, now I want, Let's look at this for just a moment. Genesis 14, 14. Now when Abram heard that his brother, really his nephew, was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his house and went in pursuit as far as down. Now I think that's an incredible thing. We have to slow the, the Bible down sometimes, slow, slow our reading down and understand so that we can really get what they say. Abram had 318 servants born in his own house trained for war. All right? Now, I say that because we think a lot of times about our, our heroes, our the men of old. A guy like Abraham had like, you know, a donkey and a camel and like three other people, right? And they're walking around the desert. Now this man had 318, now this does not include women and children. This does not include the old men that were too old to fight the war. This is 300, now if you have 318 employees in your company, I would say that you have a pretty sizable company, right? This guy has, he is wealthy and he is prosperous wherever he goes and he trains those men up and he saddled them up and they took off and they went after these five kings that had kidnapped Lot as well as all these other people. He's an extraordinary man. Abraham was. Now, let's, let's uh, go to 15. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them, and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. Not only does he get Lot, he gets all the people too that were captured by these kings. In verse 17, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shave, what that is, the, the king's valley. Now, I want us to understand something. Get this picture today that that he's returning, Abraham is returning with all of these spoils and all of these people to this place called Shave or the King's Valley. Now, it's called the King's Valley for a reason because only kings are allowed to go there. It's like at one time, you couldn't have gone to Waikiki Beach or to Maui because it was only reserved for the royal family. There was at one time special places just for special people. This is a king's valley, and only kings are allowed here. So apparently, Abram or Abraham is seen as a contemporary among kings. All right, so he shows up here, and he's on his way, and the king of Sodom comes out to greet him. Now, listen to this—the uh, second part of verse seventeen. After his return from the defeat of Cheddar Cheese and the kings who were with him, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God. Now, who is this? This guy's name Mel- I love his name, Melchizedek. 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 He's king of Salem, and he's priest of the Most High God. Now, into this verse right here, we see one of the most mysterious people mentioned in the Bible. This king and this priest shows up here in front of Abram, and we don't know anything about him up to this point. And we know very little of him afterwards. We have a little verse in Psalm chapter 110 verse 4 that mentions him. And then it doesn't start again until Hebrews. We don't see him again until the book of Hebrews. But there's something amazing about this guy. We first know him as the king of Salem. That is the, the king of righteousness or the king of peace. And Salem would later become Jerusalem, which was God's chosen city. So he's the king, but he's also the priest of the Most High God. And he doesn't introduce himself to Abraham here. Abraham already knows who this guy is. And I think it's interesting that this man brings bread and wine, what we partook of today. Well, I mean, in the church, it's grape juice, brother. But whatever. Bread and wine. About bread and wine. These, this is long, thousands of years before Jesus came. Thousands. And he brings out, what is he, what is he showing, Abraham? He's, he's reminding him of his covenant. Because all of that bread and wine, what that whole communion meal is about, is about your covenant with Almighty God. The covenant that was cut in the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's here reminding, him. he brings out these elements of communion. Woo, this is so good. See, as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we do show or declare the Lord's death until he comes. This is what it means for us today, that our, our relationship is based on Jesus Christ doing what he did and bringing us into a full relationship with the Father. And every time that you eat that bread and every time you drink that cup, you again renew that covenant relationship that with God Almighty. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Amen. So, Melchizedek is reminding Abram of his covenant. Now, Abraham has just come, from a, he's just come from a great victory, right? I mean, he just beat the tar out of five kings. Took all of their stuff. And Melchizedek has come to remind him of his covenant with Almighty God. Listen, this is so important. He was victorious because he was blessed of God most high. And I want to tell you today, the victories in your life and the good things that come into your life are there because you are blessed of God most high. As a child of the living God, you understand by those things happening that you are not your own, that your life does not belong to you. It belongs to him, the greater one, that you, your life is in his hands. Are you hearing me today? Look, 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 listen to this. And he blessed him, verse 19. And he, that is Melchizedek, blessed Abraham and said, "Blessed be Abraham of God Most High. You are Abraham of God Most High." What he was reminding him there was not only does he have a covenant through that through that that meal, that that bread and that wine, but he also he also has a new identity. That is, you are Abraham of God most high. You're not Abraham of the Chaldeans anymore. Not Abraham wandering out in the desert anymore. You are Abraham of God most high. William, you are William of God most high today. Velma, you're Velma of God most high. You're not Velma of McKinney, Texas. You're not, you're, uh, where do you live? Plano. Katie, you are Katie of God most high. This is the reality of your life today. That your identity is all hidden in Jesus Christ. And he's telling him, you have a covenant, you have a name, his name. Hallelujah. Blessed are you, Abram, of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. I love what the word possessor means. It means he erected it, he built it, and he owns it. Talking about God. Everything that we know, God did it. God built it. God owns it. Of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. I love that. And what happens? And he, Abraham, gave him, Melchizedek, a tithe of all. Melchizedek steps in and reminds him of this covenant that he has. He tells him that he's of God most high. Abraham, you're of the world, but you're not, not, I mean, you're in this world, but you're not of the world. You're not like all these other kings that are in this valley right now. See, you have a covenant with God. They don't. You're different than everybody else here. You're called out by God. God put his very name on you. You're owned by God Almighty. You are his possession. Who has delivered your enemies into your hands? Delivered means he handed them over to you and caused them to surrender to you. Now, Abraham's the one that he went to battle. Now, we see throughout Scripture that that there are times when kings, when they wanted to go to war and they pursued God through the man of God to get counsel and wisdom, whether they should go to battle or not. This happened all throughout Scripture. But here, Abraham doesn't even, we don't have at least a record that that he asked God about this war, that he just got his 318 men and they took off after these kings. All right? And Abraham, it was, it, was, it was his men that he possibly lost some of them in the war. How many of you know that war is ugly that way? Both sides lose people, right? And, it, and, it, and they lost. I mean, he could have very well lost men, and he shed blood, and he worked, and he gathered the spoils, and he got the people, and he's coming back, and this priest steps in. Listen, it's important for all of us to hear this today. He, this priest steps in and says, hey, your God delivered your enemies into your hands. Well, when did he do that? Because I was the one doing all the fighting. I was the one that was swinging the sword. See, because a lot, a lot of times we think about God and his intervention or his provision for our life. We think of him doing supernatural things, but not necessarily being in the everyday stuff. So we just kind of hold him at this supernatural place like you get an unexpected check in the mail or something like that. And you go, yeah, God certainly did that. Right? But you go to work and you work hard, you bring home a paycheck, you don't necessarily think God did that. Preaching better than your amen and writing up. That's all right. Amen. <sighs> Melchizedek, what does he say to him? Number one, you have a covenant with God. Number two, you belong to God most time. Number three, God delivered your enemies into your hands. Even though Abram did all that work, even though he was the one that went to war, this man of God showed him the greater thing. Hey, the fact that you have arms to be able to swing a sword, that's from God. The fact that you were breathing while you were fighting, that airs from God. That horse that you mounted, God created that horse. Amen. Come on, help me preach this morning. And what was Abraham's response to this? He says he gave a tithe of all. A tithe just means 10%. Tenth, the tenth part. 10% of what he brought back. Now, these guys hadn't divided the goods yet. He didn't say, okay, these go over to this king over here. These go over to... No, Abraham comes in and he tithes off of all that he's got here to the priest, right? Well, who's going to argue with Abraham at this point? Which one of these kings is going to say, hey, right? No, no, no nobody's going to say a word around this guy. He just, he just beat five kings. But the truth is, they all knew it was already Abram's because to the victor belong the spoils, right? They knew it was all his. He gave a tithe. Everybody say gave. Now notice, now listen, Melchizedek doesn't mention tithe to him. He doesn't say, now Abraham, what you need to do is, is uh, you need, Abraham, do you have a one-cost church envelope? Okay, take your envelope, and I want you to write your tithe. Make sure you write 10% of whatever you have here and put it in the offering bucket when, it, when it's passed by. And he didn't say one word about the tithe. So why did Abraham tithe then? There must have been an understanding in this covenant relationship something that he understood something that he he had a revelation all of a sudden at this moment maybe perhaps a revelation he'd never had before that when before these any of these other kings could open their mouth and begin to talk about how victorious Abraham oh look what Abraham's doing the priest steps in and says let me just remind you first and foremost how all this happened buddy it's all because of God and your connection to Him. And Abraham, in response, said, I agree. And get, he could have said, get out of the way, man. You don't know what you're talking about. Preacher, you're all, all you are is after my money. I, but the preacher didn't even ask for money. All he did was declare his blessing over him. And Abraham said, yeah, I recognize that. I agree with that. And this is my response. This is my action of agreement. What position is Abraham tithing from? Abraham is tithing, I love this, from a position of victory. He's tithing from a position of having already received a blessing, having already known that he belonged to God, having already overcome all the enemies. He tithes in that response. And you know what? And this is the way tithing was for hundreds of years. Abraham passed this down to Isaac and Isaac to Jacob. And they all tithed by faith in God because they understood that they were blessed and that all nations will be blessed through them. And it wasn't until Israel became slaves to Egypt, 400 and something years later, that tithing changed. And the reason it changed is because the people changed. They didn't reach out to God like their father Abraham, like their father Isaac, like their father Jacob did. They got in, they became slaves to Egypt. Egypt just represents the world system. They became slaves to the world system. And the Bible says in that process of time, they became hard-hearted and stiff-necked. Hard-hearted. They would not respond to God any longer like their their forefathers had. They no longer would bow their necks and worship God. They were stiff-necked. And when God brought them out of Egypt, he no longer could deal with them like he did with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As a matter of fact, in order to keep them from dying in their sins, he gave them the law so that they could survive. And he did all that because of their rebellion. And in that law, God instituted a new way to tithe. And that new way was, you don't tithe because you're blessed, Israel you tithe so that you can be blessed. And if you don't tithe, you're going to be cursed. Yeah, that ain't any fun, is it? And everything concerning the law was if you do good, you get blessed. If you do bad, you get cursed. And so he gives them the law, and then then he tells them, by the way, nobody's able to keep this law. So sometime in their life, they're going to have some part of a curse in operation under this law. So no longer giving tithes, now they're paying them. It's like God is charging them to live on planet Earth. And you know what? Since I was this tall, this tall, I've heard preacher after preacher say that if you don't tithe, you're cursed. this in this day in this day of grace pronounce a curse over people cuz they don't tithe, if they don't tithe god help us ah uh, you forgot something sir jesus changed everything yeah. jesus changed everything oh man can you handle a couple more minutes? Yeah. So this law was given because the people had changed, not because God had changed. And we've read the scripture, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. Try me now on this, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. Now you've heard me quote this scripture and there's nothing wrong with this scripture, but we always have to read what's in the Old Testament in the light of our New Testament reality. All right? Now, this says, this is a challenge to those who are under the law. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. Now, it's a great, it's a great blessing for those who, who tithe under the law. That is, tithe to get blessed. You, <laughs> but since the cross, everything changed. Under the law, you tithe to get God to open the windows of heaven, to prove himself. But hey, Abraham didn't tithe to get the windows of heaven open, did he? He never had that promise from God. He tithed because he had the blessing on him, because he was blessed of God most high. Ephesians chapter 1, 3, put that up on the screen right quick, would you, Michael? It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, say that's me, with every spiritual blessing where? How? He did that through Jesus Christ. He blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly. Places. So today, when we bring our tithes to the storehouse, when we bring our tithe to the house of God, we don't do that so that God will crack open the windows of heaven. We do that in response because heaven has been opened up. It was opened up the day Jesus Christ said, it is finished. Hallelujah. And all heaven's blessings came pouring down on us. And the Bible says, he who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? What that says in a nutshell, if God Will give you Jesus. He'll give you everything yeah. because Jesus is the dearest thing to God. Everything else, uh, 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 else is just bonus. The heavens are opened to you who believe. So, and we are not under the law. We are under what? Grace. Walk in your place of grace. Get out of the mentality that you're trying to get God to bless you. That you're trying to get God to heal you. That you're trying to get God to notice you in your trouble. Hey, the Bible says that we have a high priest. His name is Jesus Christ. And he was touched with the very feelings of our infirmities. And he was in all points tempted, just like we are, yet without sin. And then it says that we can now come boldly, therefore come boldly before the throne of grace because we have somebody seated at the right hand of God who understands the pain we're in, who understands the trouble that we're going through, who understands the trials that we're facing, and there is nobody better that you can take that to than that man, Jesus Christ, your high priest, who is there right now. And as long as that man is seated by the right hand of the throne of God, then all men have free access to the Father. This is the reality of Jesus. This is what happened. It changed everything. He changed everything. All right, a couple more things. Go to Hebrews chapter 7. We're going to just see this guy show up, Melchizedek again here. For This, this is going to help us bring this thing full circle, okay? For this Melchizedek king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the son of God remains a priest continually. So what's interesting about Melchizedek is, is that there's no record of him. Doesn't say that he, this isn't really saying that he didn't have a mom and dad, didn't have a genealogy. It's saying that we don't know of one. We don't know where he came from and we don't even know when he died. So the reason that is God made sure that happened so that everybody could really see Jesus here. That Jesus is before time and Jesus is after. I like what Isaiah says that it says, um, uh, it says something, it says a lot of good things. That he is wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Now, I think that's interesting that it calls Jesus the everlasting father. Because he's the son, isn't he? But, it, but it's not saying that he's the heavenly father as in God the Father, He is the Son, but it says He's the Everlasting Father. Man, if, if you look that up in, in the Hebrew, the actual meaning of that, it means that He is the originator of eternity. Before eternity was, He was. Okay, my mind's completely blown now. Because I can't even understand eternity. But He originated eternity. Wow. Wow. Y'all hear that spring bust loose in my head just now? All right. Now look at this. Florida King blessed. Verse 2. To whom also Abraham gave. Everybody say gave. Notice he gave a tenth part of all being first translated. Uh, we need to go further on. All right. See, the Hebrews didn't understand this at all. Because the, as far as they knew, only the priests came through Levi. That, the, the tribe of Levi, they were the tribe of the priesthood. No other tribes were part of that. Okay? Now, uh, verse 4. Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi who received the priesthood have a commandment to receive, or one version says, have a commandment to take the tithe. See, it's one thing to give it, but it's another thing to take it. Right? Abraham gave, but the priest, the Levitical priest, under the law, they took the tithe from him. All right? And I will admit there are some preachers out there doing that today. There are people because they think this way. They think still Old Testament rather than the beautiful reality of Jesus Christ. Big difference between these two things, giving the tithe and taking the tithe. One is based on the law to get blessed. The other is based on covenant because of the blessing. That is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. Verse 6. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here, mortal men receive tithes. See, it happens today. We still receive tithes. People still bring tithes into the house of God. The people of God still do this. Today. And here, mortal men, men that die, that is, receive tithes. But Listen. Now we're about to see Jesus here. But there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. Oh, my goodness. Of whom it is witness that he lives. Well, who is it witnessed of that he lives, ladies and gentlemen? Anybody know? Am I in the right church? Who, Who lives today? All right. Okay. He lives, and it is witness that he lives, and he receives them. Please see the bigness of this. When you, as a child of God, bring your tithe into the house of God where mortal men take that tithe and they they use it for the work of of the church and for the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ himself also receives that tithe. They're in the heavens. I can't explain that, but that's what it says happens. And tithing, for us, is a testimony that Jesus is alive. When you bring your tithe, you bring, you bring witness that Jesus Christ is alive because he's receiving it today. Hallelujah. It's just one more evidence. It's just one more part of your faith. You bring that to Jesus is alive. And I'm bringing this here, yeah. Do the work of the ministry. But I know this is going to him too. Oh, man. I felt like I lost you there for a second. And you're not paying God with your tithes today. You're simply honoring him. Let me finish with this. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Is this okay? All right. I know we're getting a little deeper than we normally do on Sunday morning, but it's all right. We need a T-bone steak every once in a while. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now we can see this two ways. We can see that he redeemed us from all the curses that were attached to the law or simply just from being the curse of living under the law. (laughs) Either way, we are blessed, right? We are redeemed from that curse. And having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. That the blessing of might come upon, won't you just say me? Because that's really who that's talking about. That the blessing of Abraham will come upon in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. See, now you are blessed of Jesus Christ. Just like the Melchizedek said, Abram, you're blessed of God most high. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you today you are blessed of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The very same Spirit that raised here from the dead lives in you. He did this so that you might receive that blessing. And what was that blessing? I will bless you and you will be A blessing. You are blessed of God most high. And all of your enemies have been delivered into your hands. This is what Jesus came to give you. Now you and I tithe for the very same reason that Abraham did. Because we are blessed of God. Because we belong to him. And our lives are in his hands. Look at 26 of verse 3. Or chapter 3, I should say. For you are all sons of God. How? Through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. This is how Jesus changed everything. Now there's no Jews, no Greeks. There's no slave. There's no free. There's no male. There's no female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus tore down every wall that separated us. Everything that kept us in prejudice, everything that kept us kept us only seeing the differences, Jesus Christ wiped all of it away and said, You're all the same now. You're all one in me. Whew. That is total full circle reconciliation. And everything changed with him. A whole new reality. Old things went away, and all things were made new. And now look at verse 29. And if you are Christ, anybody Christ this morning? If you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Hallelujah. Just as Jesus Christ was the seed, so are you the seed. So now God looks at you just like he looks at Jesus Christ himself. When he sees you, he sees him. And when he sees him, he sees you. Hallelujah. There's no difference. You are just as righteous and holy as Jesus Christ himself. Because He made you that way. He was the only one that could elevate you all the way up to those heavenly places. He was the only one that could bring you all the way up and seat you in those heavenly places, reigning and ruling along with Him. Now, all we have to do is just accept that by faith. It's that simple. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't try hard. You can't go to church four Sundays in a row. You just have to receive it by faith. I know it sounds too good to, tr- to be true. It is good, and it's true. It is that good, and it's true. And I'm, I'm just give a challenge out for just a moment. For any child of God, any child of God not to tithe today is to say that God has done nothing in my life. I do not acknowledge the air that I breathe is from him. I do not acknowledge that the provision that comes into my life is from him. I do not acknowledge the fact that I get up and go to work is his power in my life. Hmm? So let's live in this reality. Let's respond to our God. I want to I encourage all of you here. All of you should be tithers. All of you should, should be responding to that blessing in your life, even as our hero, our father of faith, Abraham, did. All of us should be doing this. Not because we're trying to get God to move. Because he already did move in the greatest way. And Jesus Christ gave you the reality that you're living in today. Grace abounding way more than your sin. A whole new and living way. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. And Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.